Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a Can't Win for Losing edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. The Tide was dominant in putting up a 59-3 win over the Aggies of New Mexico State. However, the win was expensive, and uh, that's true both on and off the field. For starters, the Tide ponied up $1.9 million to host the Aggies Saturday. Likely that was uh, the big fee is likely related to additional uh, travel expense with a team coming uh, from New Mexico, as opposed to sort of regional uh, teams like a Mercer who would bus over or a UTC or maybe even a Middle Tennessee uh, state who would who would bus to Tuscaloosa. Uh, you don't bus to Tuscaloosa from uh, New Mexico, so the travel expenses are part of the ante there. But more importantly, uh, Saturday represented uh, another injury, injury cluster uh, for the Tide. Roy, Roy Dale Williams went down uh, with a knee during the game. Uh, JoJo Earl went down with an ankle during the game. Uh, DeMarco Hellams uh, has a little thing on his, um, uh, I guess, on a thigh, a thigh bruise, and he could have gone back into the game. Uh, it's been an injury that has uh, plagued him a little bit this season. Could have gone back into the game, but uh, they elected to hold him out. I think Coach said the score at that time was 35-3 to or whatever it is. So rotate him out, let him get well uh, for the rest of the season. And then another uh, injury that we noted, or rather noticed, but don't find reference to in any of the post-game, not even in today's Monday press conference or, or really any of the articles, and that's Emil Echior. Uh, he went out and they showed him on the sideline heads down and is like, well, is he heads down because, you know, maybe a uh, just a poor play? I think uh, Bryce had just been sacked. Uh, but they actually, the camera hung on him, and no one talked about it, not even the, the game crew. And so if they had not sort of held the camera on him, uh, you know, we wouldn't know this either. Uh, but they showed uh, the, the team doctor working on his shoulder under the pads, and they got up and they walked him to uh, the tent. And clearly, almost as they cut to commercial uh, or cut back to the, the play, whichever way it was going, uh, you saw Ekio go into the tent. And so no reports one way or the other on, on Echior, uh, that tends to lean towards him being okay. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, as the week progresses. And, of course, Emil Echior, uh, offensive lineman, 
right guard, his injury is on top of Darian Dalcourt, uh, an ankle sprain still being out, and uh, Javon uh, Cohen with a wrist injury that, frankly, I did not uh, see report of that until Saturday, uh, but it looked like it was Friday night, the night before uh, when uh, when news uh, news broke on that. Um, looks like a practice injury, a uh, little bit of a surgery. Saban said that uh, uh, Cohen would practice uh, Tuesday, as would Dalcourt. I would say at this point, both still questionable for the game, so we'll keep uh, tuned there. So we jumped into injuries a little deeper than I than I intended. We'll probably touch some of that again when we get back to offensive line play. Uh, but, hey, line it up. Tempo, tempo, tempo. Offense, go. Uh, quarterback, uh, Bryce Young, 21 of 23, which is a really good uh, performance. He had 13 uh, uh, completions, consecutive completions to start the game. I think that's a streak or something. Uh, his own, his two uh, incompletions, one was tipped, uh, another was just a blatant drop. And so uh, those, those are, uh, you, you kind of got to give the quarterback sort of uh, not a, a pass uh, on those, if you will. 270 yards. We like that 300 number, but 270 yards uh, on 21 of 23 completions is really good. And the number that stands out that we all really enjoy is the five touchdowns. Uh, so that's uh, certainly a lot of fun. We got to see a lot, lot of quarterbacks uh, uh, take the field. And so that's not something that uh, Alabama has really gotten to see a lot of this season. We've seen Paul Tyson a little bit. We've seen Jalen Milrow a little bit. We got to see some more of both. And then we got to see uh, Braxton Barker uh, take the field. Uh, for my money, that may be the first time he has seen action in a game. Uh, I'm not counting A Day. Uh, and damn, does he look like his daddy out there? Just the, the even just the T-shirt and the way it comes out of uh, um, uh, out from under the shoulder pads and, and the braces that he has. Uh, and then of course you get the helmet uh, and look at his face. He looks like his daddy. But um, but uh, glad to see uh, glad to see four guys get out there at the quarterback position again. You get a game like this, and Saban hates the questions ahead of time, and so this is sort of you know rat poison. Uh, but you know these games if they go this way, you're going to get to see a lot of the. Uh, the youngsters, and that's always a lot of fun. And and that certainly uh, held serve on Saturday. Uh, running back position, uh, probably a little bit to talk about there. Uh, Brian Robinson uh, had a, just another outstanding day. He was nine for 99. Uh, there was a little bit of, man, I want to get him across the century mark, but, man, I don't want him to carry the ball one more time and get hurt. Uh, so I think that was fine just uh, taking him out, uh, taking him out at that point, uh, especially with the injuries we'd already seen. He had a long of 63, and he went just untouched on that scamper uh, for a long touchdown. And of course, he had two on the day, so uh, he had a phenomenal day. Uh, we got to see, I would say, an extended play or extended action uh, from Trey Sanders. Uh, unfortunately, that was at the expense of Roydale Williams. Uh, Roydale had one carry for 11, uh, and then he was injured. Uh, he has had surgery, and looks like. Saban has, didn't definitively say he was out for the season, but it's mid-November and uh, he just had surgery. So uh, there's conclusions to be drawn there. Uh, if Alabama were to go deep into the playoffs, uh, then there might be an opportunity. Uh, I would say the deeper Alabama plays, the longer Alabama plays, the greater the odds. But um, I think we all know what that means and what the odds of that are. Uh, nonetheless, hate to see that for Roy Dale. I hate to see that for Jace. I hate to see uh, Kamar Wheaton. Uh, we started the fall with five running backs, and we just, you know, tripping all over ourselves uh, trying to determine who was who who would be the the primary runners, who would be the the best backs. And uh, unfortunately, it has been more a battle of attrition 
uh, than anything else. And uh, that's certainly uh, no one would have bet in that direction. Kamara has not seen the field uh, all season. Uh, Jason Roydell go down with knee injuries. And so all of a sudden it's Ag- Agatha Christie. Uh, and then there were two, uh, Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders. Uh, Trey Sanders, uh, again, uh, looked good in his play. He was 12 uh, carries for 66 yards, five and a half per. Had a touchdown, and for me, that was just heartwarming to see his touchdown. Uh, he played so well early in the season against Miami. Again, he looked fluid. He had some swivel in his hips. Looked like uh, it was just an incredible story, his his recovery from the injury and the car crash. And then he went through a spell where he didn't play a whole lot. And it was a lot of, well, you know, he's he's recovering. He's getting better. And so I don't know if – did he play too early or too much strain or stress? I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Those might be interesting things that we hear in the offseason. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Brian uh, Robinson and Trey Sanders are going to carry the load down the stretch. We did see – and this was fun to see, and it's fun to see almost – sort of the philosophy in play. Uh, we did see a couple of the position uh, conversions uh, to the running back position. And so I think six, eight weeks ago, uh, I think Saban said seven weeks ago, uh, Christian Leary and Des Moines Kennedy have uh, transitioned to running back and they're getting some reps uh, with the running backs. Christian Leary, uh, as you're aware, a converted wide receiver, Des Moines Kennedy converted linebacker. And so it's interesting that, uh, and if you step back and you say, why would they two? Why why two? Why not one and just focus those additional reps uh, on on the one guy? And uh, and and you sit back and you think about it and you say, well, that's just Saban's genius again. You you take two guys from position groups, uh, respectively, from position groups where we have uh, where the Alabama team has some depth. And so Christian Leary from the wide receiver core. Uh, Demoy Kennedy from the linebackers, and primarily he's more of a, I think, a middle linebacker. Uh, so Alabama has a lot of depth there, and so you take uh, an individual from two position groups, and uh, there's a little bit of let's throw both of them up against the wall and see who sticks. And so you know there's strength in numbers in that regard. There's also, like I said, you're not depleting a position uh, where you pull the guy from to to help running back. Uh, those are positions of strength. Really give the gives the players an opportunity to play. And I think they will down a stretch. I also think there's something to the selection. Not only did these guys play running back in, in high school, and so they're they're familiar uh, with the position and they're familiar with what it takes, but look at the difference between the two individ, uh, individuals. Uh, Christian Leary for Alabama running backs is small. He's a little slight, uh, but he's shifty and he's fast. He had three carries for 22 yards, uh, averaged over seven. Uh, he's smaller. But he's a wide receiver, so you know that he has good hands. There's a lot of things that you can do uh, with Christian Leary out of the backfield, converted wide receiver. Think of the wheel routes. Think of the uh, the, the options, the downfield passing options to uh, a running back that Christian Leary uh, would provide. Demoy Kennedy is a bigger back. I think he goes 6'3", 6'4", uh, 230, 240. So he's, he's a bigger back, maybe not 240, but 235. Uh, he's a bigger back, and so he can bruise in between the tackles. And so when you start losing versatile running backs, Roy Dell and Jace are versatile, uh, both thick, uh, thick bodied uh, running backs, but they're adept at, at receiving the ball as well. You may not be able to bring someone over that's that complete of a package, or they're already at the running back position. And so you bring two and between the two of them, maybe they can piece together some of uh, some of the skill sets.
that uh, Alabama would need or any team would need uh, coming out of the running back position. So that'll be interesting to watch down the stretch. But it was good to see them both uh, get some playing time again. Uh, Leary had three touches. Uh, Kennedy had seven. So, you know, you might read into, we had twice as many carries. What does that mean? I don't know off the bat that it means a whole lot. Uh, Leary was more productive with his 22 yards. Uh, Kennedy, 16 yards. So that's just over two per uh, but again, he's the bigger guy running uh, more inside. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I know also that this was um, New Mexico State and not an Arkansas defense or not an Auburn defense or not a Georgia defense, certainly. So we'll see uh, We'll see how this progresses, but certainly something uh, to watch there. Another thought that I have, and we talk about manufacturing depth at the running back uh, at any position, but maybe at the running back position, do we – Speculating here might actually root against it. Uh, probably doesn't happen. But do we see situationally uh, some additional uh, quarterback scrambles, maybe some designed quarterback runs? Um, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure that we're going to fully build that in into uh, the game plan per se, uh, but situationally we might see uh, a little bit of that. Let's talk about uh, offensive line. Really a makeshift uh, offensive line on Saturday. We had Tommy Brown in for Javon Cohen. Uh, we talked about Cohen's wrist injury. Remember last week we talked about Tommy Brown uh, when uh, Ecuador lost his helmet at the goal line. Someone else had to come in. Tommy, Tommy Brown was uh, the first one in to back up that, at that position. And so we speculated, you know, if you kind of look at the run, run the numbers, how are they sort of stacking up? Tommy Brown uh, might be the seventh linemen sort of in queue if you were to stack them up one through. And so Tommy Brown got the got the start uh, at the left guard uh, position. When the twos come in, uh, Tommy Brown plays uh, at that position. So uh, actually when the twos came in uh, this week, he went out and we, and we saw a third Ferguson uh, at the uh, left guard position. Uh, Chris Owens stayed at center. Uh, Darian Dalcourt uh, remained out with the ankle sprain. Coach said that Dalcourt could have played if needed, but against New Mexico State, you don't need him. And so let's give him uh, another week of, re- of recovery, and then we'll see if he plays against Arkansas. Uh, Chris Owens uh, missed on some snaps. He was a little scatter on his snaps. But I thought as a whole he played better. And so what does that mean? Well, it may mean nothing because it was New Mexico State and not LSU. Uh, it could also mean that practicing the week at the center position uh, he was just able to get uh, back into the form. And so it could be a little bit of both. Uh, Damian George, you'll stay at right tackle. His second start, uh, or really, I guess his first start, uh, because the change happened in the game last week with Chris moving over to uh, replace Dalcourt. Uh, again, I thought Damian George played well. It's hard to read too much or, you know, into it uh, against the opponent. But again, uh, he played well. And again, if you want to look at sort of comparison, first play of the game, uh, you know, Chris Owens got beat by Mercer. So for for a sack to start the game. So, you know, uh, if that's if that's a, a fair comparison, which it probably is, uh, Damian George, I thought, uh, continued to look good. Emil Ecuador, we've talked about him. No word on him. Um, I think no word is good word um, in that regard. So we'll see how that plays. I think I'd like to see a line with Darian Dalcourt at center and Damian George at um, at right tackle. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, there's also an interesting thought when Dalcourt returns, and I sort of I'm backdooring this. What do we do with Owens, especially if uh, uh, Javon Cohen is out? 
does Chris Owens then actually go play uh, the left uh, guard uh, position? And I don't know the answer to that. Would you leave in uh, Tommy Brown or would you – uh, move Chris Owens at the uh, at the left guard, so that'd be something to to watch for. That could be the third position, uh, I guess. If he's trying to catch badges for all the positions, then uh, you know Chris Owens, good good on you. Uh, but I'm not sure who would be the better uh, player if that's Tommy Brown uh, or Chris Owens. Uh, a funny story about Damon George, uh, Damian George. It's actually a special teams play. I think it was a PAT. Uh, he was late getting out there. Maybe it was a field goal. Uh, he was late getting out there to to line up. It's what he lines up on teams and blocks. Uh, but uh, I guess you know, almost two full games as a, as a starter at uh, at right tackle, uh, he was sort of living the starter life and uh, forgot that he had to he had to block on on teams as well. I thought that was funny more than anything else. Let's see. Let's talk wide receiver, and you can't talk wide receiver without talking about uh, Jamo. Uh, he was six for one fifty-eight. I, I, and I thought about it. Oh, I should go get his stats for the last couple of games because he's putting he's been putting up uh, not just over a hundred, but well north of a hundred. Uh, the last uh, it seems like every week we're reporting six for one something, one thirty something, one forty something, one sixty something, and uh, this week it's uh, six for one uh, one fifty-eight. Three touchdowns, amazing, uh, and then he had a long uh, touchdown of 50. I want to talk about uh, that a little bit. Uh, J-Mo, I think, is clearly playing himself into first-round uh, potential. I don't know what all the scouts are going to say. He's a little bit slight of build, but, man, speed kills, and uh, and there's been a lot sort of smaller-sized receivers in the NFL the last couple of years. And uh, I don't know if J-Mo had stayed at Ohio State, if he would have if he would have burst uh, like he has at uh, at Alabama. So that's that's an indication. You think about transfer portals, and you st- and you think about that. It's it's you know you think about you want to move up in team. You know, or you move down to get more playing time. You want to move up for an opportunity to win a championship if you already uh, already sort of established yourself. Uh, maybe you want to move down uh, somewhere where you can play if the competition is too is 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 really stiff. And then you take a guy like Jamo. Um, you know, look, I'm an Alabama say uh, I'm an Alabama fan, so I'm gonna say Alabama ranks higher than than Ohio State. But uh, sort of in in the in the tiering structure, they would be considered. You know, both both. Uh, Blue Bloods performing performing very very well, and for Jamo to leave Ohio State and come to Alabama and have just the incredible uh, breakout success that he has here, uh, but was unable to have that success uh, that success at uh, Ohio State is just a, an interesting sort of case study, uh, if you will. But we're certainly glad he landed in Tuscaloosa. Uh, this team would not be this team. Uh, this offense would not be this offense. Bryce Young would not be Bryce Young. Uh, if it were not for uh, Jamison Williams, and so uh, I, I think there's there's really something to that. I do want to talk about. We sometimes we talk about individual plays, and there's an individual play. I went back and watched it a couple times. It was very early in the game, uh, but it, it was a super fun play to to watch and sort of and sort of break down. And uh, it was uh, Jamison Williams' first touchdown, uh, Alabama's first touchdown, the 50 yarder uh, to Jamo, and it was a beautifully uh, executed RPO. Uh, I, I think just a, a textbook uh, RPO. I think the Aggie defense was was really geared. Hey, Alabama's going to run the ball, and uh, they're going to try to take the air out of the ball early on. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to beat us up, and because um, we've done that uh, to teams this year, and so the RPO sort of ate them up. Bryce uh, handing the ball to Brian Robinson, and it was. And if you go back and look at it, he held the ball 
and it actually lunged forward. Uh, and so it really did look like, uh, cause Brian Robinson didn't just get in, in his gut and, and run, but he, he actually took a couple steps with what looked like, uh, he had the ball in his hands and Bryce pulled it out at the last minute, uh, put the ball up in the air. When he did that, the corner that was on Jemmo bit on the run and, what made the play a touchdown was not just a corner that was on Jamo, but it was uh, a, a two high safeties. And the safety on uh, Jamison's side, he bit on uh, the run action too. And so what you had is really not that they were playing double coverage, but they were shading over uh, over top on, on Jamison, so unofficially double coverage, if you want to call it that. And both of the defenders, the corner that was on him man to man, and the double high safety uh, sort of shaded in that direction uh, towards JMO. Both of them bit at the run, and JMO was just wide open. Uh, if you watch the play, you say, well, there is a safety coming across, uh, given pursuit. Yes, absolutely is. That's the two high safety from the other side, uh, and so he had certain, uh, certainly uh, had time to run. And when Jamison got the ball and started running and looked over and, and saw the safety coming, you could almost see the thought bubble in his head. It said, you ain't catching me. And uh, and he stuck it into another gear and ran for a touchdown. That was a big play. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and that was a fun play to, to, to sort of break down in a little more detail. A lot of fun there. It just shows how dangerous uh, J-Mo can be, how dangerous Bryce can be, how dangerous this Alabama offense can be. Uh, John Mechie, uh, he also had six carries, or I'm sorry, six touches, uh, six receptions, same as J-Mo. He only went for 48 yards, uh, his long being uh, 26 He's demonstrating himself this season less explosive, uh, although I would say this is probably uh, stats-wise because because uh, Mechie's a hard uh, hard worker, uh, a great player. But uh, stats-wise, I think this is his lowest production in the last couple of weeks. I think Mechie's a very good running back. I think he's a good two or three, and we've talked about that. Uh, but he can be very dangerous, and Alabama will need him uh, down the stretch. I like to see both tight ends, uh, both of the primary tight ends, get into the action. Uh, Cameron Latou had one uh, catch for 12 yards. It was a touchdown. Uh, I think that puts him, during the Saban era, that puts him one touchdown reception behind Irv Smith for most touchdowns by a tight end in a season. If you guys, uh, you know, paying attention, you know the Irv Smith. I have a soft spot for uh, Irv Smith. He's one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite Alabama tight ends ever. Uh, and to think that Cameron Latou could match or <laughs> could come within uh, striking distance, uh, could potentially match or even beat Irv Smith's touchdown record. Uh, I think that's amazing. I was hoping that Cameron Latou could be like a poor man's Irv Smith. And, uh, and now he doesn't have nearly as many receptions. Uh, he could get that number up. He's had some drops. And frankly, he'd already have the touchdown record. If, if it weren't for some drops as well. But anyways, he's he's playing in what I consider uh, rarefied air in terms of some of his stats. Uh, but it was good to see him get, to, uh, get back into the action. I think he's going to be a weapon for Alabama down the stretch. Uh, same with Billingsley. He had one catch, five yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he did have a drop. And on the very next play, uh, Alabama went, went, went uh, right back to him. And uh, in Bryce's uh, postgame, this is telling for me and telling in a positive way. You know, Billingsley had the touchdown and he dropped it. Damn it. You know, you, you got to catch that. Very next play, uh, you know, Bryce commented, very next play comes in. And the first read on that next play 
is to Billingsley. So that's not Bryce trying to go back to him. That's the coaching staff going back to him. Uh, Billingsley is the first read on the next play right after he dropped. There's a little, there's a little tellingness there. Uh, there's been times where Billingsley, I think, may have been yanked after that kind of play. Certainly not the go-to or the primary uh, receiver on a play right after a drop. And so I think there's something uh, something to that. There was something on the Twitter machine uh, the night before the game indicating that uh, Jaleel may not play. And so I don't know anything about that other than just uh, that's something that, uh, that Billingsley's dad uh, posted. Uh, but Jaleel played, got him a touchdown. And so that's great. Uh, Cam and Billingsley, again, they're two different types of tight ends. Uh, and I like having both and the versatility. And they both can be very dynamic uh, weapons for Alabama. And I think Alabama's going to need that down the stretch. Uh, if we're to have the type of success that we want, uh, we're going to need both of these guys to really step up. Uh, one of the more fun stats of the game is Alabama had 13 different receivers catching passes. A lot of the names you know and a lot of the names that you've been wanting to see uh, was it Thal Jones-Bell had two for 16. Treshawn Holden, we've talked about him. He's had uh, He had two for 11. Uh, Ajay Hall had one for 10. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks had one for nine. Uh, Javon Baker had two for 21. Uh, Christian Leary, we've talked about him at the running back position. He had one for minus seven. And I wanted to go back and watch the film. I was just too lazy to do it. Uh, I don't know if that was an outlet or if that was some sort of screen or if that if that reception came out of the running back position or wide receiver position. I'm speculating that it came from the running back position. And uh, apparently I've been mispronouncing his name all season, which I'm prone to do. But Robbie Oots, uh, I've been saying outs. It's Robbie Oots uh, had one for eight, and that was his first reception. And I predicted uh, – I can't remember which game. Maybe it was the Ole Miss game. Was it that long ago? Uh, he Because Oots has been playing spot duty, but he's been playing all season. And so there was a point at which I speculated that he might get uh, sort of a goal line opportunity for a touchdown or maybe a first down and certainly uh, a pass reception for eight yards later than I thought. But I did think that he might somehow maybe get incorporated, and so we're starting to see that. Uh, mini game ball on offense. I'm just going to youth. Uh, so many of the names we've mentioned, uh, Tommy Brown, Christian Leary, Des Moines Kennedy in different uh, positions, uh, Robbie Oots uh, getting his first catch, and so many of the others. Uh, so I'm giving my mini game ball to uh, youth. Let's flip the field and talk defense. Alabama defense, again, looked really, really good. Uh, again, it's hard to take too much out of it uh, with it being New Mexico State, uh, but three points allowed, 138 total uh, yards allowed. Uh, only nine net rushing yards allowed. Alabama held uh, the Aggies to three of 15 third down conversions uh, allowed and really no uh, explosive mental lapse like we've seen in recent weeks. And then the Alabama defense racked up uh, seven sacks, which is certainly impressive. Uh, the Will Anderson dispatch, he had two sacks, and, uh, and those were primarily the, the stats that he put up for the day. Every time here, – here's my measure on Will Anderson. Every time I look at a stat line, I say that's a really nice stat line, but I expected it to be more. Uh, and that's just a function of his his activity. You see him all over the field. The announcers can't stop talking about him. Uh, that's a filter you have to kind of watch out for. 
uh, but he is all over the field. It does seem like he makes every play, uh, even though clearly he doesn't. And so when he puts up really impressive stat lines, uh, somehow I'm like, I didn't, like that's awesome. But I thought it was going to be more because, you know, everything everything you hear about him. And that sounds <laughs> that sounds terrible. I know uh, that it does. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, Will Anderson is just uh, a, a complete player. He really is and, and continues to get better and better. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Dallas Turner had a sack, and uh, that was fun to see. Uh, that was right after he had uh, two sacks uh, against LSU. And I'll tell him myself a little bit. I am behind in my podcast listening. Uh, so it was uh, it was just this week that I've listened to maybe the last four or five or six uh, shows, uh, including interviews. And and I can't remember exactly which episode it was, but Dallas Turner had, had a decent game uh, back a month ago. And I said, this guy is like about to explode and have a two sack day. Uh, and I laugh and I said, well, and, and you know what? I think that was uh, that may have been the Tennessee game uh, where, where I said that. And uh, I said, this guy's about to explode and have a two sack game. And he did have a two sack game against LSU. I wish I had to remember that uh, last week. Uh, but then uh, he, he followed it up with another sack. So Dallas Turner continuing. And actually, he had fewer snaps this week because Drew Sanders played. He recorded a sack. And uh, LeBron Ray caught some snaps on that out, in that uh, outside. Call it defensive end slash linebacker position. Uh, LeBron Ray is a, a defensive lineman, so definitely defensive end when he's in there. But, uh, again, some of the versatility that we're getting out of uh, that position. But, uh, but kudos to Dallas Turner for his play. Uh, Hank Toa Toa had a, had a blitz uh, where he recorded a sack. Uh, there was a really nice breakdown. Uh, Saban, uh, that was sort of the play of the day. And uh, Saban, uh, Saban broke that down. And it really, it really shared uh, just some of the complexity because it talked about here's what the some of the DBs are doing, and then here's how we're stacking this up. And uh, Brian, uh, Brian Branch ran, ran in the middle based on the direction that the, the center goes, and the running back went to chip on. Uh, Brian Branch, and and then so that allowed Toa Toa. So we really overloaded him. We sent two extra guys, and uh, it's almost you're going to block one and miss the other, and and uh, that's that's what uh, led to that sack. But that was nice to see, uh, and it was fun to hear Saban uh, talk about it. But just other individual performances. Jalen Moore Davis had six tackles, uh, one pass deflection. He had a really uh, nice day, and this was after missing time uh, last week. So it's good to see him come back uh, and perform. Uh, Christian Harris had another good day, and I say Christian between Christian Harris and and uh, and Hank, the middle linebackers are playing better uh, every week, and that's been sort of a, a quiet topic. Uh, we haven't been tracking that as probably as well as we could have or should have, uh, but both of those uh, fellows have been playing really well, and their numbers are are turning up the right way. And uh, middle linebacker play is has been, uh, I thought, really good. Uh, Tim Smith was just a disruptive force, and I want to see more and more uh, of Tim Smith. He had two uh, TFLs and and a pass deflection. Those are just for a big body, it, it, essentially the nose position. Uh, those are those are low numbers, but impressive numbers because the type they are. They're TFLs and pass deflections. Damn it. Uh, those are, um, you know, that that's called uh, disruption. Uh, a number of youngsters got in on the defensive side. I won't even attempt to list them all, uh, but uh, there was a, a near emptying, emptying of the bench, uh, which was uh, really, really fun to see. I'm going to go my mini uh, defensive game ball, and this is going to be a little bit sentimental, but uh, uh, 
uh, LeBron Ray had a sack and two quarterback hurries. And of all the sacks, Alabama registered seven sacks. And of all of the sacks, the excitement, the jubilation, the jumping up and down uh, with LeBron Ray was just a little extra. It was a little different, uh, and it was a little special given sort of his uh, history-plagued career. So hats off to uh, LeBron Ray for his play. All right, so let's look at uh, – uh, special teams, uh, Will Reichert was 8-for-8 eight eight on PATs. Uh, there was a field goal. Uh, Jack Martin came in and kicked that. It was a 29-yarder. He booted it through, so that was good. Uh, James Burnup had two punts. He averaged 38, and the long was 39. And so we've been looking, why does he, why does he keep getting the ball? And that might be the reason, because his – uh, he's pretty darn consistent. He hit a 37-yarder and a 39-yarder, and he averaged 38. And um, you know, you can uh, if you know what the floor is, you can certainly build from there. And that's a saving sort of mantra, and we talk about that uh, on the podcast quite a bit. So I, I've been asking, why does it keep kicking? Why does it keep kicking? And this stat line is uninspiring as it is. Might just be the reason. Uh, Alabama did block a punt. Uh, Christian Leary uh, blocked the punt. So here's a young man uh, who, whose name keeps popping up in a lot of different directions. Uh, he blocked the punt, which afforded the opportunity for Jalen Moody, uh, number two, uh, 42 middle linebacker, to field it and uh, and really just camped out under it. The block, uh, I think, went higher than uh, the punt would have if it just been a, a regular punt. All the energy uh, seemed to transfer directly straight, directly up, and uh, Jalen Moody caught the ball and uh, returned it to the Alabama four. I'm going to tell you a bad uh, announcing uh, sort of joke that that made me think the hit transfer on the punt and the ball went straight up in the air. I was watching a Braves game back in the 90s, uh, back when Skip Carey, rest in peace, when he was calling the games. He was, I think, the most dull uh, TV announcer that I've ever in my life had the uh, the distinction of hearing. And he talked about a uh, like an infield pop-up. And, and I was watching the game with a buddy. We were in college, and we looked at each other like, did he just really just say that over the air? And uh, uh, Skip Carey, the foul ball goes – or not foul ball, it was just, a, just a, like a can of corn to the infield. They went just straight up, and I don't even think it reached the, uh, uh, the pitcher's mound. And uh, Skip Carey, in his dry tone, almost monotone, he said, well, it would have been a home run and an elevator shaft, but it's an out here at uh, – whatever the Braves uh, field was at the time. Uh, at any rate, I, uh, I don't know how I got on that, but uh, the punt that uh, Jalen Moody, uh, the blocked punt that Jalen Moody camped under, I guess he caught that coming out of the elevator shaft and returned it to the four. Uh, a couple of corrections, uh, and I probably should have like a long section of corrections every week, but uh, a couple of corrections last Week and I noticed it today as I was out running some errands, uh, and and I heard it, and uh, someone had mentioned it to me before. I was talking about Alabama's remaining schedule, and this was after the last week's LSU game. And we were talking about, I was talking about uh, Alabama's remaining schedule, and um, you know, sort of resigned on what this team uh, could be. And I was talking about what would it take for Alabama, basically their remaining schedule. And I accidentally uh, uh, put Florida in the SEC championship instead of Georgia. And so that was just a misstatement on my part. No, Florida's not. uh, Florida's going backwards. And uh, Georgia continues to look really good. So whoever makes it from the West, and we think it's going to be Alabama, 
to the SEC championship game. They will uh, they will have a date in Atlanta with the Bulldogs. And then less a correction than as much of an apology. I listened to the Texas A&M podcast. And again, I'm weeks behind my, my podcast listening. And uh, turns out I, I didn't even realize it at the time of recording, but it, man, I just had a terrible case of the sniffles. And so I apologize, man, I got tired of listening to that. And I'm sure you guys did too. So I appreciate your patience and, and no nasty grams on that, but uh, holy cow, cough medicine it is. All right, next up, uh, Alabama faces or hosts uh, Arkansas 7-3 and three overall, 3-3 three and three in the conference. Arkansas off a close but low scoring affair with LSU. Arkansas won the game. Solid defensive team, The this Arkansas is. Again, they've lost three, uh, but uh, pretty solid on defense, sound on defense. They play with a lot of emotion, a lot of sort of high motivation factor, uh, and that's a function of Sam Pittman. Uh, Sam Pittman is just a joy. Uh, he really, really is. And so if you have a chance to watch Arkansas press conference, I think ESPN did a special on Sam Pittman. Uh, just someone you can't help but like, and he's just going to be coaching the other team. But uh, you're happy for him as an individual. Uh, He was a Georgia line coach, never really got a chance at a a, a head coaching job, and he was able to get the Arkansas job. And he is in love with Arkansas, and he's in love with the fan base, and he's in love with the team. And and he truly, you know, everyone's from somewhere, and everyone sort of has a favorite place and – and Arkansas is Sam Pittman's favorite place, and they're like they're just sort of a football match made in in uh, in heaven. And so good for good on them and good on him. But he certainly does a lot to motivate that team, and I have a great deal of respect uh, for that. Uh, when Alabama played Arkansas last year, it was uh, you know the defense they 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 play this shell that's almost this five man shell, and they they allow a lot of stuff underneath, but less sort of over the top. They're not going to get beat over the top. That's that's their style of play. And they're banking on, you're going to make a mistake. You know, you may move the ball between the 20s, but you're going to make a mistake. The field's going to compress, and we're going to sort of make hay there. Plus, you know, they've got some blitz packages, and they come after the quarterback, too. I really like their linebackers. And so that's sort of their style of play. Well, last year, when Alabama went to Arkansas, it was a lot of the underneath. It was a lot of chain-moving ball. And Alabama ended up beating Arkansas Still pretty impressively, uh, just the style of play and the mode uh, of uh, of offensive performance, uh, I think, differed significantly from the rest of what we saw from Alabama last year. And so I think it's more of a chain-moving underneath uh, style game. And I think we're going to see that Saturday. And uh, I mentioned the tight ends needing to come up big for us. Well, this is the tight end style game. This is an opportunity th- for them to get uh, loose, uh, loose in coverage. And when I think about – what style of game is this? What type of score, you know, might might this game be? Instinctively, I'd go to, you know, this is a 34 to 17 uh, style game. And I think, you know what, what if Alabama's defense really shows up like it has the last couple of weeks? And what if Arkansas's defense really has a good day? Uh, and again, they, uh, they had an impressive performance uh, against LSU. Then I'll look at this as maybe sort of a, a 27 to seven uh, style game. So it might just be one of those, let's keep the clock moving, let's get this thing over with. Arkansas may really never be a threat, but they may keep us closer than they want us. And that's not disparaging Arkansas. Uh, I don't think Sam Pittman has built there what he wants to build there. 
Uh, they've got a really nice quarterback, but I don't know that they have uh, necessarily a whole lot uh, beyond that. And so uh, we'll see what they get built over there, uh, but they're really playing uh, some sound and uh, solid ball. So should be a good one Saturday in uh, in Tuscaloosa. I'm going to actually try to make my debut in Tuscaloosa this week, so I will be there. If there's anyone listening that uh, I'm going to hit my regular haunts in, uh, in terms of the bars, restaurants. Uh, it's a CBS game, so after the game, uh, hit me up. And uh, we'll see what we got there. In terms of our Zoom uh, contest, the final score was 59 to 3. Mickey had 54 to 3. So we picked New Mexico State score, and he was off by five on the Alabama score. Caleb picked 63 to nothing. And uh, so he was off by fewer points on the Alabama side, but he was off by three on uh, uh, New Mexico State. So I don't know how, I think I would give that to Mickey, uh, 54 to 3. Uh, but uh, at any rate, a lot of us had big numbers uh, for that game, and uh, indeed, it was a big number game. With that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.